Welcome to the New Media Show, where each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, UTC plus 4, Todd Cochran and Rob Greenlee take their over 30 combined years of leadership in the podcasting space to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct the current podcasting news, forecasts, trends, and predictions. Now here are your hosts, Academy of Podcasting Hall of Famers, Todd Cochran and Rob Greenlee. Rob, here we are, new media show, back in the saddle, and uh, we're back on the split screen as well. Yes, well, that's good. Good, Todd. It's great to be back with the show again. There's lots of interesting things to talk about bubbling in the podcasting space, and a lot of them have to do with kind of size of this and reach of that, and I thought we would talk about um, some of that stuff and why it might be important. Yeah, we can get into that, but you know, one of the things I was doing uh, earlier today was uh if you look at your screen rob you, you, do you know what that is uh that is podcast movement right no that is no. nab show oh, map NAB show oh okay booth selection for 2022 is already here <laughs> and um here's what we have decided there's no way on this god's green earth am i going to be stuck in west again so i see you guys picked to be in west Sorry, we're going to Central Hall. Oh, okay. Uh, there's just, the, from a traffic standpoint. Do we have a, a, the option to, to move to Central? Uh, They're they, they pigeonholing us there. That's like the only well, we're not even close to another in West to begin with. Right. So I was like, why do I want to be around all these big broadcast tower stuff? And, um, I said, put, I told Mackenzie this afternoon, send us our alternate. We don't want to be in West. We're going to go to central and try our luck. So right. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see, but I am not getting stuck in that down in that pit anymore, uh, of West hall. So lucky I'm even considering going back. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to talk to the team about that a little bit too, because it it may be good for both of us that we move to Central if that's possible. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't know who made the decision on your guys's end, but I I will tell you which. Uh, well, just I'll I'll message you offline and let you know okay. where we're at, so that we, in case someone's listening. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. But another thing that happened uh today was uh, and I don't know if we showed it on the last show. I don't know if I yeah, I guess I can show it here. Um we Blueberry released the media kits, our media kit oh, uh, right. platform. Right. And um we're pretty excited about um uh, that. And this is an example of the Podcast Insider media mm -hmm. kit. And uh, shows the uh, last 30 days, impactful plays, uh, downloads per episode, social media reach, survey information. So it's just like a nice little one-sheeter. So we're pretty pleased with the result of that and getting that out. Another, you know, I'm trying to... Yeah, it can help shows uh, sell their own ads or sponsorships, right? Or that's even... Or even have uh, the ability to show off to someone that's a potential guest, right? You know, that's true too. And um, so we've uh, we've got that 
kicked off to the street and starting to get a little feedback on it. So uh, I will have to say this, and maybe I can do a little bit of uh, fun here. Hang on, let me, before we, uh, okay, here we go. Don't eat me, James Cridland. So uh, I had sent James an email with our announcement, and, and he didn't didn't make it into Pod News. I'm like, oh, he must have missed the email. So I sent it again. <laughs> right. And don't eat me, James. Cridland. He is uh, on vacation. Wow. So everyone say hello to James on vacation, and uh, I won't say where he's at. I won't, but he he is he is vacationing. He's letting me know that it's very difficult to get a newsletter out while one is on vacation. I can see how that might be the case. Sure. Especially when you want to vacay and you have to not, you have to put a newsletter out. So. Well, it's, um, it's, it's a big responsibility James takes on to try and do this every day. Right. I think he does it five, five or six days a week. So. Yeah. And he that, does an audio podcast with it too. And yeah. Podland. And, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, enjoy your vacation, uh, James. And, uh, yeah. we'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a thank you for you know letting me know why it why it uh, why it missed, but um, no, we're just it's you know it is kind of a weird time right now being summer, mm-hmm. and uh, we are things always kind of slow down a little bit just a little, so a lot of announcements still happening though in the space, mm-hmm. but uh, one thing's for sure is that uh, the stuff you're hearing. <laughs> Makes for a curious topic today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, but if you look at pod news, that's kind of been the, the thread, right? You know, this and research are, are having a bigger, uh, sample size for their research. So yep. there was another impact of size. Um, and I think that's good. That may give us more accurate, uh, Edison research data. I think the bigger the sample size, the more accurate the the research is, and uh, and it appears Canada has overtaken the U.S. in the size of weekly listening audience, hmm. so, or or weekly podcast listening per capita. I guess might be the better way of saying it, um, which has been trending that way for a while now. I think uh, Western Canada's uh, has always kind of excelled in podcast listening. But I guess the rest of the country is catching up, and I'm hearing the same kind of uh, conversations happening out of the UK and others that uh, podcast listening is just kind of, you know, it's it's reaching a fever pitch of people interested in this medium. So I guess that's a good thing. Well, so I, I think that uh, anytime we grow, it doesn't matter where it grows, it's all good, right? And at the same time, you know, th- there was a topic that came up. Uh, is it time to look beyond the big cities for podcast listeners and content? So, you know, you have another scale and going the other direction. Is but, it, are, are we just not tapping into um, an opportunity that's that's out there of local audiences around local podcasting? I think as we get bigger, and I've always said this, as the medium gets larger and as we get more listeners, the opportunity for local becomes more real. Uh, and I think that's the inverse on this. It's but, interesting. But, but I I don't know. I'm just I'm when they say we're not reaching small towns, I'm I'm living in the epitome of a small town. 
No, no, and, it isn't that we're not reaching them. It's just content uh, that caters to local markets, like radio oh, has in the past, right? Is it, it hasn't been a focus, right? But I think, yeah. But an average podcaster is not okay. Let's. What type of a market are we talking about? Because in this market that I live in, there's 25,000 people in this town. It's a small market, right. Well, there's no way I could make a living. There's no way I could, there's no way, impossible, to do enough content. Uh, We have a newspaper here that has, Mm -hmm. if we're lucky, two pages of local happenings. It's usually who got arrested for a DUI, who's got arrested for some sort of, uh, uh, spousal abuse, who is, uh, you know, what high school track runner has uh, won the race. There just isn't. So I guess you have to go, you have to have a little bigger community, you know, but the question is, there's a gobsmack large number of towns in the United States that are 25,000 and smaller. You know, it's right, just, and that's, that's kind of raised by uh, actually Larry Rosen from Edison research is the one that kind of raised this topic. And, and he was suggesting based on, I guess, some of the data from the infinite dial that, uh, fewer people, uh, listen to podcasts in small cities and rural areas. I don't believe uh, that. I, it's, I, I just, I, that's what his research. Okay. And I, t- I, when I talk to people, what podcast you're listening to, they're just as dialed in as, but are we talking like fewer people is what he's fewer. saying. It's hmm. not that they're not listening and it's not necessarily, I think what he's suggesting here is that, um, is that maybe the smaller cities and the rural areas haven't caught up to podcasting yet, uh, less than what I guess I was suggesting earlier, which is that there, there's a lot of listeners there and they're, they're craving local content and that, that may or may not be the case. I think it depends on the city and the demographic. But there are companies out there like CityCast that are catering to creating content for cities, right? Smaller cities. So there is this bubbling, and we've been talking about it off and on for years on this show, that that this market might come. And I guess as I think about scale and size, you know, does – and these local radio stations maybe over time, you know, we see some of them go away um, that are catering to local communities. Maybe that, that there's a growing opportunity for those stations to convert over to creating local podcasting or on-demand streaming content or things like that that can replace the radio station that can be done um, cheaper or less expensive or, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just one, one of those things that I've wondered about for many years being a guy that came out of radio, um, whether or not we would ever see that situation develop. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I think there's a different skeptical too, but there's a Delta here between who is listening to podcast and where, Mm -hmm. and the second piece of that is who, you know, let me, yeah, it's where they're listening. And the second bucket is, is there enough people in a specific area to do a geo targeted podcast? And, mm-hmm. um, I, you're going to have to have some, some super, 
marketing, you're going to have to, you know, maybe it isn't going to be that much marketing in a small town. Maybe you can buy some radio. And I, I, I kind of, I saw something that uh, was post uh, that I, I, I was going to talk about last week a little bit and we didn't. But if you think about um, what has happened with radio um, and there was a, oh, it was out of a, oh my God, I'm going to kick myself here. Um, but anyway, the analogy that was made by the writer out of Detroit, um, I'm sorry. Uh, Seth, anyway, the, the story was, is that radio in the early days allowed Sirius XM right. to advertise. And then they allowed Facebook to advertise and Facebook came in and advertised, then taught small businesses in towns how to reach their market. So basically mm -hmm. they took Facebook money in spite of themselves because they were desperate for advertising dollars and they mm -hmm. ultimately lost a bunch of advertisers that were local started and fa Facebook businesses or businesses that were on Facebook started marketing directly to their customers on Facebook versus radio. Now what's happening is, and it's even larger is that radio is now taking ads for the upcoming Amazon Prime Day. I've seen it on, mm. I went to see Elvis, the movie, and I laughed because it was the direct thing. So I saw an Amazon Prime Day advertisement at the movie theater. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, these folks, including radio, are idiots because radio is now advertising heavily for Amazon Prime Day. Now, I'm not the genesis thinker of this particular topic. It came from a, a another writer, and I apologize. I'll, I'll figure it out and make good. But the the and I agree completely. So, what are they? What are they doing? They're driving. You've got in this town. I've got a Myers. I've got a Walmart. I have um, most. Those are the two big, two big ones. And then a whole bunch of small businesses. Um, as a matter of fact, we've got a, it's going to open up just down the, um, I mean, 100 feet from me is one of those places that sells cheap tools. It's um, well, like the tractor store or something? Like no, that, it's or? not. No. It's not a tractor store, but it's, they, people love them because they sell cheap tools, all kinds of tools. So anyway, regardless. They're going to open up here. And then you, we do, we have farm implement stores and all that kind of stuff here too, right. because it's rural. Yeah. But here you've got a movie theater where these people are all local. Tell them about Amazon Prime Day versus going to shop at Walmart, Meyer, And they're, they're really doing a bad thing. They're taking the money. But they're doing they're a bad thing. Driving people out of the community. Driving people out of the community businesses. So, right. it, I'm thinking to myself. Well, maybe, maybe it's time that I start advertising podcast on local small radio stations. And if if you're going to launch a and a long way to get here, but if you're going to launch a local show then you go buy airtime on radio. I'll local go buy, radio. I'll go local radio. I'll go 95.7, a local country station. I'll go down to Angola, Indiana, and buy 100.3 WLPI. The, the, it's a 80s, 90s 
it's basically, you know, they play popular music, but they go back. So it's got a huge, I'm sure a huge audience and start promoting a local podcast. And it probably that budget probably wouldn't be too bad. You know, if you were serious about it for $5,000 and you could get the word out real quickly about this local podcast. And then what do you do? Then you listen to every advertiser that's advertising on that radio station and you go pitch them to advertise on your local show. Right. And guess what you ultimately could do as a podcaster? You could, you could upsurp. Well, I think that's what a lot of the radio stations are starting to think for themselves, right? Is that they need to convert what they're doing over to podcasting well, over time. Some. To do exactly that. But yeah, I think that the argument has always been, I, I think in that strategy, Todd, is that the demographic of listeners to radio is so different than the demographic of listeners to podcasts that it, it doesn't always. It depends. Translate. Right. It depends. So. Yeah, I think it depends on the topic and, and radio needs to cater, start catering a little bit more to maybe topics that appeal to maybe a little younger audience than what they've been typically doing. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, beyond just music. Right. So it, it was Jacob's media that posted that post. Jacob's, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Seth from, yeah, well, it wasn't yeah, Seth that made the article. It, oh, it was, it was uh, Fred Jacobs. Yeah. Fred Jacobs posted right. the post about this. Right. And was he the one that you referred to earlier or was, or are I pulling a brain fart? Uh, I th I was talking about uh, um, um, Mr. Rosen from oh um, from from Edison. The Edison Research. So the, yeah. the article that I'm referring to was read wrote, written by Jacobs Media about come on radio we're being stupid, mm -hmm. you know. And um, I I just it's it was on the I had to search Google you know Detroit and Seth because Seth doesn't I don't think Seth works at them. No, he them. doesn't. No, but he used to, and he used to write articles like that too. And I think he still writes articles or at least links to articles that are kind of, you know, hybridly thinking about radio and podcasting. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's the article I'll bring up is radio's definition of insanity. It was put out on June 30th. This got my brain working pretty hard mm -hmm. and, um, so everything that I just talked about for a minute really was the, for me, it was kind of the kicker off was, um, from this and it, it really, to me was, um, uh, one of those moments that again was backed up when I went to see Elvis, great movie, by the way, um, in the theater for sure that, uh, and, and that, that Amazon, you know, their, their big two days of sales here, they're advertising that hardcore. And the only people that go to this movie theater are small town America. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so it's local yeah. and maybe it's not going to affect the radio station. I mean the, the movie theater, but when the country station and the, you know, the, the all the local stations are playing that ad, if, if I was a local advertiser, if I was a local business. Whew. Yeah. It'd be obvious where to do that. Right. Well, they're, what they're going to do is say, okay, I'm going to just go spend my money on Facebook and I'm going to promote stuff on Facebook. Here's a trick that Walmart's doing. 
Um, I, I use Amazon just like everybody else. Uh, because obviously I, I don't like going into stores very much. I just hate walking up and down aisles. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, I ordered something the other day. It was a simple thing. It was a vitamin, a vitamin D three or what, you know, whatever I ordered. And, uh, it was delivered by Walmart. Walmart, it, it, it was not branded on Amazon as Walmart, but what Walmart has done is they have created sub-brands that you don't know it's Walmart, but it's delivered in a Walmart box. So Walmart has kind of figured out, okay, we need to, we need to we play can't, it. Can't fight them, join them. Right. Can't <laughs> fight them, join them. And you see, you know, so it's like, oh, that was, that was an interesting move. Right. You know? Um, I mean, Walmart's had a pretty strong e-commerce play for, for many years, you know, but I've never, I've never ordered anything on walmart.com ever, but you can, I mean, it's got a full catalog of things in, and it's, it's a good option. Yeah. I guess I should price shop. Another thing that we found, I found recently was, and this is completely off topic. I was completely out of time. I need to go grocery shopping. So I've never had groceries delivered ever. So I was out of time, didn't have time to go into town. So I went and put my order in on my, the Meyer app and ordered, and it was delivered by a company, I think called shipped or something like that. That was some driver, uh, some, uh, gig worker. Yeah. And, um, I did some comparisons between the apps and it was definitely cheaper to order directly on the Myers website and have it shipped because it appeared to me that when I was on the shipped app and looking at the same selection of food items, everything was 10, 15, 20 cents higher. Mm. So I thought, oh, interesting. So if you're, if you're using getting groceries delivered, you might want to compare the stores app to the third party app and you might and find out that it, yeah. So it was kind of, kind of interesting yeah. on that standpoint, but anyway, that's yeah. not a podcast topic, but just something <laughs> I observed. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the process. I mean, because if it, if, if it can save you a lot of time by ordering your groceries online, have them delivered. Oh, it's, it's time, a, gas, um, yeah. you know, hassle, all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah I, I figured, I figured it saved me 90 minutes at least because mm-hmm. I'd had to drove into town. And walk the halls. Yeah. Gather it up. And, and you know what else it's, it, it stopped me from doing is buying the tempting things that were like, oh, you know, I didn't. The convenience items, right? The convenience the items. Yep. Uh, and I just. By the checkout. Right. I had this. Right. Well, not even that. Just stuff you walk by and say, that's cool. Right. You know, so I just got the essentials. Um, yeah. I shop at Costco a lot, too. And it's like, boy. The, the prices at Costco have gone way up too. Well, Costco is my closest Costco is an hour away. So it's yeah, not it's convenient. Like, yeah. It's like, you know, stuff that I used to spend just a couple hundred dollars on are now like three fifty <laughs> now. So, well, Rob, you haven't, yeah. you, you, you understand groceries are up like, oh, like I know. insane amount of money. Right. And let's hope it doesn't continue to go up with the, no, stand, the st- threatened food shortages. Yes. Stand by. Right. I had a, um, someone in town was complaining that the electric, cause our local electric is done by a, a public utility. We don't, 
I pay my bill here to someone called CPB. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, where I live in the country. My power is with Consumers Power, which is a big company here in the state of Michigan. And CPB is going to raise their energy costs 4%. And people are howling. They're howling. They're, they're, they, they're on a Facebook group. They're screaming. And I'm like, 4%? Uh, yeah. That's nothing. You better be quiet. <laughs> because right. it could have been That's... 10 or 15. Well, well here where I live, it, it, this past year, it went up almost 20%. And, and I, right above me up here is a bunch of solar panels that just got installed. Ooh. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm generating my own power now. Well, now you're on the five to six year payback. So, you know, so that's mm-hmm. the key. Well, with the raising energy costs, maybe it's going to be four years. You don't know. Right. So it's, it is definitely a, an interesting time, but so maybe this local, local podcast thing, if you strategize it correctly. Now here's the question. I want to hear from someone that's doing a local podcast in a city smaller than, let's say, 50,000 people. And have you been able, does anyone know of a show in a market smaller than 50,000 people that's doing targeted to that local municipality? Is anyone being successful in monetizing with local ads and building a sustaining show? I would be surprised if it was any, any, um, town or city that was at, at that size. I think, I think the opportunity may be better as you get a little larger. All right. Um, So we're going to have to go to Google here and do a little Google search. So how let's, let's just look at this. How many cities in the United States have more than 50,000? No, uh, have less. Have less. How many cities in the United States has, okay, has more than, let's do more than 100,000. Okay. Has more than 100,000. Yeah. That's so, probably a better. There are better 317 point. U.S. cities that has more than 100,000 people in it, according to mm-hmm. Google. Now, how many cities in the United States that has less than a hundred thousand? And this is probably not fair. Let's do no has more. Let's do fifty thousand, more than right. fifty. Let's pick a, a different number. So more than fifty thousand. So seven hundred eighty cities had populations of more than 50,000 in 2019. So twice as many as have. Right. So then how many cities in the United States has less than? Less than 50,000? Less than 50,000. It's going to be a big number. Mm -hmm. So as of 2018, there are 19,495 cities that have a population. Oh, they used the word. They went with. With 5,000. Oh. Uh, hmm. Let's see if I can get an answer here. That's still a lot of shows. <laughs> or a lot of cities. So how many yeah. cities are there in the United States? There's 19,502 incorporated places in the United States. Oh, here it is. Here's the, 
And I'm going to steal. This is from, uh, I don't want, oh, come on. All right, here is the, let me flip the screen here. Here's the breakdown. So there are only 10 cities with a million or more. There's 27 with 500 to 999,000. 250 to 499,052. 100 to 249,000. 225, 50 to 99,466, 25 to 49,741, 10,000 to set to 2499, which I qualify for, 1572, and under 10,000 is 16,410. Now, the, the village that I grew up in, of course, I didn't really grow up in, I grew up outside down a dirt road, was uh, 1,200. So, but those two towns, that 1,200 town, the 25,000 town I'm in, plus maybe another town, another 10 or 15 miles away might get to about 30 if we're lucky. So that would be like one county. Um, So you probably, if you're going to do a podcast that's regional, you have to think about it as from a county standpoint. Because he probably could do okay and have enough news to cover a county. You probably have to think about the demographics too, to some degree. Yeah. So let's let's look at the average average population of a county. By the way, the um Drought here in my local town is over. We've gotten three and a half inches in the last three days. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of rain. So here's an interesting thing from, uh, come on, I want to see it bigger. Yeah. Here is uh, average population by county. California 675K by county all the way down to 13K up in the Montana, Montana, Nebraska area. So that's an interesting national average, 102,000 per county in 2016. That's a little older. But so 100,000, let's think about this then. Let's say the average is 100,000 per county, Rob. Then... Really, what do you need then? You need 10% at least. Because mm-hmm. I wonder what the average... Now, the next question is, what's the average radio station market share? Yeah. It's, what is there, like, I mean, like 20 top U.S. markets or something like that for radio? Well, I'm just going to... I'm just going to look at average, see if we can get that number. Average. So I'm looking So, Todd, for- uh, thinking about this topic beyond just, you know, mm-hmm. the spectrum of city size, right? Sure. Um, just to give, give an example of a real world company that's targeting local podcasts, uh, the CityCast uh, network, which was formed by the, the former lead uh, guy over at Slate Magazine Podcasts, um, who's the CEO of CityCast, his name is David Plotz. Mm-hmm. 
and I believe he's still doing podcasting, like political podcasting and stuff. So he's got a, got a, got a background and that kind of stuff. But the cities that he's working in right now, building his company is uh, Chicago, Denver, Houston, Salt Lake, Pittsburgh, Las Vegas, Boise, and DC. Um, so you can kind of see. Those are big cities. They're, yeah, they're, they're larger cities. Yeah, they're right. ma- major metropolitan areas. Right. Probably more than a million. I don't know about uh, Boise, but. Yeah, Boise it, and, and I don't think. I think uh, the rest of those are more than a million. Vegas is, Pittsburgh, Houston, Salt Lake. I think all those are cities bigger than a million, maybe. Probably, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. close. Yeah, I'm, I would agree with that. So, but Rob, <laughs> these are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shows. How all right, let's look at Chicago. How many shows are they doing? I don't know. That's a good question. They're only doing one. Yeah. They're doing the, one show. Well, you probably don't want to have too many in a no market uh, to get started with until you've built out you know, your reputation with one show. But right. so if, if you, if a market <laughs> that has more than a million people and can only support one local show, that's not good. Well, yeah, I've, I've definitely thought about, you know, inviting David Plotz to join us. I've known David for many, many years. That'd be a great conversation um, to have him on. I, I, yeah. I'm just, I know you're bullish on local podcasting and have been for a long time, but I just want to keep, keep the interest in it bubbling out there. Cause you never know it, it, it might turn into an opportunity. And I believe, you know, David obviously sees it, but he's seeing it more from a, from a large city perspective, which is how radio was looked at it. Right. But if you look at this too, if you think about Chicago, mm-hmm. all right. So when I was away in Hawaii and living in Honolulu, mm-hmm. uh, my roots are still back here in Southern Michigan. And, uh, there was the only way I really could keep up on what was going on locally was basically to take a peek at Facebook and, you know, kind of follow a little bit. But, mm-hmm. um, if you're originally from Chicago and you're living in Los Angeles and want to keep abreast of what's going on in Chicago, well, this to me is as a population that's big enough to be able to support a show where there would be people from all over the country tuning in to city cash Chicago. Right. There's expats of right. sorts from different cities yeah. around the country too. But if like I did, I, if I, I did spent most of my life in Seattle, so I could be, have an interest in listening to a show out of Seattle. But if I did city cast cold water right. of 25,000, yep, there's a lot of people that have left cold water, but am I going to be able to produce enough exciting interesting content that is not going to be like, you know, if I'm living in Texas, I don't really care that Tommy Jones won the track meet. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't care that, um, you know, who's went to jail. I I don't care. Uh, some of that stuff. So I want to know what's happening with growth, What's happening? You, you got to have topics that are going to attract people outside mm-hmm. of your local right. community. Right. And, you know, let's be frank. 
Um, you and I've been on the mic for a long time, but having a business owner in to talk about his car detailing business. That's not compelling content. Well, not for the not, target. Not for the ex, not for the expat. Right. right. It's definitely maybe interesting for the local listener, local, local. But, you know, what do you have to do to reach? Yeah, but doesn't, doesn't broadcast radio have the same challenge? But they have all these made up BS stuff from Nielsen, how many people are listening and tuning in and you hear the ad five yeah, times or sure. six times in an hour for the person that's tuning in for 10 minutes on their drive. to Because it takes me 10 minutes to drive to work. I mean, because this is as much a discussion about the success of or the potential success or not of podcasts in a local market, I think it's almost directly translatable to the potential success of long-term of a radio station in a local market. Well, right? I think reason. Is there a big difference between the two? Really? No, well, radio's got it figured out. They're still surviving and getting billions of dollars of advertising to right. keep them online, but they're also doing a mix of national they're having, they're, they're advertising for Amazon prime, right. you know, and they don't have to work for those. Some of those ads just kind of come in. Right. Yeah. I did notice with the city cast, uh, you know, job board of sorts, I'm, I'm looking at the different roles that they look to fill in any given city. So they're actually lo looking for people in Philadelphia. It looks like they're going to, going to expand into Austin and, and North Carolina and other Columbus is another one that mm. they're looking to expand into. Um, and, uh, Atlanta as well. And they also have a, um, a newsletter editor mm. that they're looking to hire too. So you start getting into written content yeah. maybe in combination with the audio content. Right. So you're, you're starting to see at least what I'm seeing here is a little bit of, of the digital content creation side kind of moving into the local radio biz. Mm -hmm. So, and trying to replace them of sorts. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's an interesting move and we'll maybe see where CityCast is going to go with this. Um, but does this mean, does this, is this a kind of a sound of an alarm for radio to start thinking like CityCast? Well, Rob, radio is already, you know, we, it's just radio is on the clock. I know. I agree with you. So it's not, not, and the clock isn't moving forward. The clock is moving backwards. Now where we're starting. Yeah. But why is that happening to, to radio at the same time? A company like CityCast is building momentum. I don't know if CityCast is building momentum. Are well, they burning VC? He keeps growing new cities. Like, again, are they burning? Are they burn? Are they burning venture? On the hope, you know what? What is the model? Are they? Are they? Are they profitable? We don't have any clue. Yeah, we don't. They could be right. burning. They could be flushing thousand dollar bills down the toilet. We, you know, that's really what we don't know. Well. It's the same thing that Amazon.com did for many years too, right? Well, they had in deep enough pockets they could do that. Right. They kept investing in something because they had a vision for what it could be in the future. Right. Right. So, you know, if that's what's going on here, I just, 
I just feel the tension between local radio and what CityCast is doing and why CityCast is growing and radio feels like they're under threat and retracting. Maybe, so, maybe, maybe we need to start country cast, you know, that's uh, <laughs> country <laughs> or US, rural US America Central. cast, you know, right. yeah, I think that's uh, I think they kind of call that Newsmax or something like that, right? <laughs> I have no clue. But it's, it, you know, I think the key here is, is that I think there is a opportunity for someone that, but the thing is, if you're going to do local and survive, it's daily. That's a, that's a, da- that's a daily show. It's got to be at least five days a week. It's probably going to involve live streaming too. It's got to be five days a week. It's just, there's no... There's no way about it otherwise. And you're going to need help because the longest I've seen a individual run solo daily, it's a good friend of mine. He made it about three years Uh, and he hit a brick wall. Andy McCaskey. That's right. Hit a brick wall. I mean, he, I mean, he flat out run out of, out of gas. Yeah. It's hard because he was doing a produced Heavily produced, thirty-minute program every single day. Yep, and uh, he did very well mm-hmm. at that. But he was going to kill himself if he kept going. Ki- <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because there's it's just like James. He's on vacation, right? Yep. And guess what? <laughs> He's yeah. doing his newsletter. Well, I'm sure he's he's doing it a little bit in advance, so he's hoping to get new stories that he can run with a couple of days from now, right? Now, so mm-hmm. he can take a few days off, right? Because, I mean, James is, that newsletter, James James and I talked a lot about his newsletter on my trip to Europe, and and uh, he's automated a lot of stuff that he does on this, right? He I, I, he would have things. To. Right. He can stage things like the classified ads area just runs on its own. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even, he doesn't even look at it usually. Right. So it's, you know, and there's engines that he uses to publish stuff and to do, do stuff on the site that you, you would think he's in there, you know, typing this stuff, but he isn't really doing that. So we, we ought to get, uh, and in the, it was actually Paul Jacobs that wrote this article. We should get Paul on the show. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a great discussion. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a topic that's going to keep increasingly coming up um, as we look to the future. Now, yeah. here's what we could do. We could run a bold experiment. How bold, Todd? Well, bold in such <laughs> that we would need some money to do it, some help. Ah, okay. Yeah. So you or I could find some personality. Mm-hmm. How big is the community that you live in? Is it big? Mm, I think maybe close, maybe 40,000 probably. So you and I are in about the same equosphere. Mm-hmm. If we could find somebody that would do, we're going to have to give this six months at least. Yeah, but I'm surrounded by cities that are probably in the half million range. Probably. But, yeah. but you're not going to want to, cover those you want to do within truly a, within local. a county truly local truly local well that that county does include 
probably a city that has about half a million. Oh, well, then it might be, you know, might be on the potential. But I think we want to try to do this somewhere where it's a little smaller. But mm-hmm. it, it would, you know, Rob, we're talking about a whole business here. We're, we're you know, we're looking, this is like a thirty, forty thousand $40,000 experiment mm-hmm. at yeah. a minimum. Maybe more. Well, if you have someone that's a paid producer, that does a show daily mm-hmm. and can do his own work, can build his own, do his own prep. Um, and then someone to do ad sales. And we advertise on radio for that show. Hey, so, Todd, I can I can think of a couple of great partners to to bring in to help us with this. <laughs> oh, are you talking about CityCast? <laughs> CityCast or Seth from Jacobs Media? You know, he's built a, a local show for, in Detroit. Yeah, as I recall, right. So you know, it's there is you know something that we I, I think someone just got to figure out the formula. Mm-hmm. But, because we may see a just an explosion of new content creators that want to get involved in this. So who knows? But it's not for the faint at heart. <laughs> well, podcasting in general. Is well, you know, in in all honesty, anymore. you would probably need yeah. like three podcasters, right? So that one's doing Monday, Wednesday, another's doing Tuesday, Thursday, and one's doing Friday. So you you split the load, so you don't drive someone into the dirt. You know, right? Yeah, that's true. So I I don't know. And how long has it got to be? Does it does this have to be? Again, my commute in my town. And all right, Rob, if you had to drive to some place five six miles away or ten miles away, let's say ten. Mm-hmm. How long of a drive is that where you're at? Probably. 10, 15 minutes. Probably. Right. Except for same for me. You know, I can drive. It's my commute is a 35 mile an hour speed limit for two miles, 55 for a mile. Well, actually 55 the rest of the way, but no one drives 55. I drive 12 miles in 10 minutes. So yeah. it's, oh, it's, you know, for those of you that are stuck in traffic, sorry, I'm done doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you paid your dues on that one. Yes, I did for many, yeah. many years sitting in my car. Matter of fact, Rob Weiss was built in meetings from a Mazda CX-9. <laughs> so in, uh, off of the CityCast website in their kind of careers area, it says, not seeing jobs in your area? Reach out any anyway. We're mm. growing and we might be in your city soon. Let us know if you're interested and we'll be in touch if we launch there, I don't have time to run another thing. Yeah, right. To be honest with you, so yeah. hopefully we're spawning some ideas here with somebody. Right. Well, yeah. Well, let's see if we can get them on and talk about this. You know, and I think between the Jacobs Media folks and CityCast, maybe we can, you know, spear, you know, spear some ideas that right. are not going to require a city that's a million people. Create a new popular genre in podcasting here. You know, you know, I, I, I tried this already. Yeah. I actually tried this in 2005. Oh, that's right. In, in Hawaii. Yeah. And well, we tried to do podcaster news where we basically did city, 
city focus. And really, it was really way before its time. And part of the challenge was, is they weren't daily shows. They were mostly weekly. You know, it was a weekly show about the, the fashion district in L.A. or a weekly show about uh, something in Philly. And it was, it was just weekly somethings with no mm-hmm. focus, you know, with no arrangement, with no programming. And, it, you know, it, we were dumb. We didn't really know what we were doing at all. Little did we know we were, we were actually launching a whole bunch of brand new podcasts, which we did. <laughs> you know, regular podcasts that survived on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, hmm. Well, I don't know. Yeah. What's the rest well, of you think? We've spawned, a, you know, ho- hopefully a discussion here and we can expand on it over time. And, um, I don't know if you saw the the Stephen Goldstein article that was also put out about visualizing your audience. Is is, is he been listening to the show? <laughs> Didn't right. I've been on a bunch of interviews recently where I've been talking about this. Yeah, right. So I'm not saying you know it's kind of like hmm. Yeah, I saw I saw Stephen at the Talkers Conference. Um, he was down there presenting a little bit about podcasting so yeah but this topic is is interesting yeah i've i've talked about this topic to podcasters all the time me too and say i'm not i'm not growing my show fast enough i only have 50 you know 100 people listening yep and i i I tell them you know back up and get some perspective on right how often do you get up and present to 100 people right Right. So, you know, success is relative yeah. right, to your perceptions of what success yeah. is. So, the, the, you know, the, the, go, go ahead. The analogy I use is if you're going to go talk to Rotary right. and there's 80 people at Rotary and you walk in and there's 80 people in front of you, you're going to be prepared to talk to 80 people in front of you because if you aren't, you're going to be embarrassed. Right. And you're not going to put Doesn't on a good. Doesn't matter if it's eighty or twenty or, 10 right. or five. Right. And when it's a hundred, yeah. You know, and if you think about sitting in front of, if you think about a hundred people in front of you, or a thousand, or five, or ten thousand, your perspective change. And he, he's right on the money. Yeah. Right. He's right on the money because you will take a whole different attitude. With your audience. When you really shouldn't. Right? It well, should be the, I mean. You should already. I mean, does you, scale equate to taking what you're doing seriously? Or should you be doing the same kind of you should be. You should be doing it already. At five people at, versus 50,000 right. people. Because what you really have, because it's, a, it, it's lonely and behind the microphone. It is. There's no one here with me. Right. Yeah. It's lonely behind me. We're looking. Rob and I get to look at each other. Right. Thank goodness I get to see Todd. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about <laughs> that. But anyway, you know, it's, you have this, you have, uh, we have this visual thing going on, but yeah. in the back of my head, my, you know, I'm always thinking you're, you are all out there. Yeah. And, and I, I, for years I had a sticker it's not on my desktop anymore. And 
it basically it didn't I don't think it said visualize the audience, but you know, remember they're listening or something like that. It was basically a, a kicker to me to remember that there's this vast audience in front of us. And actually it's more intimate than that. It's like we're leaned up against them talking to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that holding a cocktail, you know, and, and being around in Jib John. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's people watching this show on big screen televisions and there's people watching it on their iPhones. You right. Know? Um, it goes the whole spectrum. You know, I, I watch this show occasionally just to check it out on my big screen 50 inch television on YouTube. So, I mean, you can get this and that's been the case with this show for, for years. And, um, so you have to think about it like, well, if a person mm-hmm. is listening or watching this on a television, what the, what type of experience do they want to get on that too? So, right. So Robert, uh, by the way, Patrick, thanks for saying hello earlier. Uh, Robert Crandall said, it's too bad the advertisers don't see a value in a small audience. I think they... It depends on how the, it's packaged. So it's different. I think it's local. If you're local, mm-hmm. that advertiser's trying to reach a very local audience. Mm-hmm. You know, you get, you get a car dealers having that big savings down there. Come down. We got a 999. Drive it off the lot. You know, that guy, you know, he's trying to reach you know, wherever that broadcast signal can go. So it's very, it's a very localized, small audience, depending on the market you're in. But in podcasting, Robert, it's the, Rob and I and many others have beat our heads against the wall literally for a dozen years. Mm-hmm. That's why we're, that's why we're launching programmatic advertising for our podcasters because they, that money's not ever going to roll down to small podcast. Well, and it's also programmatic has reached a, a level of CPM that's competitive with host reads now. So why not? Right. Right. That that's the other, I mean, when I first started working on programmatic advertising, when I was working at Spreaker, um, the CPMs were like two and $3, you know, it's like, it was barely worth it. Right. Um, and now at least, there's some significant revenue share going into programmatic right now. Um, so there is some incentive now than that wasn't in the past. Um, so we may see baked in host reads kind of diminish out there, or they will become kind of like a, a rare Eagle, you know, um, that is, is only done for shows that are, you know, that are, that are expecting, you know, 50, $60 CPMs or something. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, so Rob, I found a, a post and it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. 50 people. That's kind of the side of you would see like a school board meeting. Right. Here's a hundred. Here's one fifty. Now, if you're going to go speak in front of those people, there's 150 people staring faces at you. Right. Let's go to two fifty. It's just more of them. It, it's not, not, not any less pressure. No. Two, two fit, and, and let's go to five. Let's go to 500. Right. You know, when I was, uh, went out to Las Vegas and talked to the, all the teachers in the Las Vegas mm-hmm. school system, I had about 500 teachers sitting in front of me for me to talk about podcasting for 45 minutes. Do you think there was any pressure? 
Well, I think we've had close to 500 people sitting in front of this show yeah. live on stage yeah. uh, at Podcast Movement in the past. And and then we get to 1,000, and yeah. boy, things change pretty quick. Yeah. You right. know, that that's, and, you know, and there's a lot of shows that are reaching 1,000 people. And if right. you can, you know, again, visualize this, let's take it to 3K. Look at that. Look at that sea of bodies. 3,000 people. It becomes a little less imp- uh, personal at that point, though, but, once you get to be that scale. But 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 yeah. the problem is that's the wrong attitude to have because is. This, is. Is a, this is a one-to-one medium. You're, you're having as much effect on, let's go up to 50. Let's just go down to a room of one. You're having the same conversation, exact same conversation with 50 that you're having with 3,000. I think the big difference, though, Todd, between those two situations, though, realistically, is that if you're presenting, and this has been the case with all my, you know, speaking presentations, that the smaller crowds are a lot more intimate, right? You can take questions, you can right. meet with people in the audience after the show. When you get up to that level, yeah, you're not going to be meeting with people, you, and they're not going to be taking questions. No, you, if you're in doing, but hold on now, if you're doing a podcast. Right, a, like a live show or something. A live, saying? regular doesn't matter. Doesn't mm-hmm. ma- it, it's about the perspective of who you're talking to. I don't care about the questions. If right. I'm presenting, I'm presenting to a thousand people. That that's a that's pretty, that's a big number. It is. I don't think I've ever talked to a thousand people. I've I've never spoke in front of a thousand. But right. then then we get up into ten thousand, or we get to twenty thousand people, and imagine. These these shows, you know, we're, we're, we're ten to twenty that are listening to this. So that's a, that's a big number of folks that are listening. And then we get into football stadiums, fifty thousand people. You know? I think the closest that I've ever gotten to up in that scale is my my college basketball playing days, but that was about it. <laughs> yeah, no dynamic. Hundred thousand right? people at the at at. Uh, at Michigan yeah. Stadium, you know, so there are shows out there that have that many people listening. That's to them. right. The key is they're not watching; they're listening through their earbuds. So I think right. we've we've made enough analogy here. But Steve Goldstein's absolutely, unequivocally, I agree a hundred wholeheartedly percent. <laughs> but he also says that it's it's hard to build an audience, but he says it's a whole lot easier to lose them. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> once you have them, so take it. Take what you're doing pretty seriously. Thus, treat treat and respect them. Right. It gets back to the core values of podcasting. You're going to want to hold them. And that's why now, if I get to the point for my regular Geek News Central show, if I'm, again, different rules apply. Uh, Sorry. If you're new, suck it up, Buttercup. You got to produce content. Mm -hmm. You got to keep cranking. But I've got 17 years yeah. and, and if I'm not feeling it and if I'm down and a Red Bull's not going to fix it, I cancel. I don't but do the show. It doesn't happen that often. I, Does I think it, you need to minimize that. <laughs> it, I, I probably do it now more than I have in the past. Got it. But well, you're more established now. But, too, so the, but also at the same point, um, I feel bad when I do take time off. 
But do you apologize to your Oh, audience, absolutely. Or? I tell them I was what happened and why and why because they don't want to hear you. They can that 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 energy it just bleeds through. Right. Doesn't matter if you've had two Red Bulls and you're up you're you're not going to be on your best A game. And you might be wasting their time is what you're saying. Right. You're waste, and you don't res- so you're not respecting them. Right. Is my key. If I, you know, so I, I think it's a, I think this, it, I think Steve really is a good timing on that article. It's, it's really odd because I have done a number of interviews recently. I've been on the internet uh, interview circuit quite a bit with a lot of shows. And, um, this has come, that topic's come up three or four times where I've talked about visualizing audience size. So I'm not saying Steve stole that. We were, we all do it. You know, right. you do it. I do it. And this is advice I've given podcasters as well for mm-hmm. a long, long time. It just helps drive perspective mm-hmm. because, because it's easy to feel like, Oh, I only have 50 people listening and Joe yep. Rogan has, you mm-hmm. know, two, two million. I'm a right. loser, you know? Right. So, and that's just not, that's not really no. fair to yourself. It's no. not really fair to what you're trying to accomplish. And, and you may be just getting started too. You know, Joe's been doing a show for 10 years. So, um, what's, what's more intimidating is when you go to speak at a big event and they've given you the big room at a bad time right. and you walk into up. it right. and there is, right. it can seat 500 and there's 40. You're like, right. You're like, you don't want to, the word you want to say is, you know, I can't say it on the show, but then you got to go out and you've got to rock it like there's 500 people sitting there. Right. Yeah. It's easy to have that psychological game hit you where you're deflated, right? Right. You're disappointed and you're like, oh, this doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It matters to those people that are sitting there. Right. That puts you into a headspace that isn't beneficial to the people that right. are there. That's right. You, that you should be trying to build that number. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, so I think it's a, it's one of those things where you, you're going to present and five people show up. Don't give them a five people presentation. Give them a hundred people presentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they'll go and talk about it. Well, you may even want to think about it from the perspective of, you know, you're presenting to one person. Right. What what value are you delivering to well, one person? It's the same thing we do with our podcast, right? Yeah. What's the what's what's the value that I'm delivering to a singular individual? Mm-hmm. Right. And thus the reason why the podcast awards are the way they're designed the way they are. Mm-hmm. They're designed in a way that I want podcasters to engage their audiences. And this is oftentimes why small shows win. Win. Yep. <laughs> it's because they're able to engage their audiences. Yeah. Right. So it's, and a, it gets back to what, what, what I was saying earlier is sometimes it's easier to engage a smaller audience than it mm-hmm. is to engage with a larger audience. Right. People feel like they're just one of, you know, a huge number of listeners, where on a smaller show, they feel like it, there's like a little community that they can connect with. Right. Um, especially when you do something live. I think like what we do here and like what I used to do with the Spreaker Live show, um, there's live audience listening that goes on. And it's a place for people to congregate 
and um, talk amongst themselves as well, um, not just the pathway between. So sometimes I got the impression in the, some of the live shows that we've we've done together or whatever is that the audience engagement is more important than the engagement with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like between audience members becomes more important. So it, it's an interesting dynamic that you see happen with um, live shows that have been able to achieve some level of scale, right? Um, I've seen some shows that um, have like five, 6,000 people listening live. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if you can just imagine that, I know uh, uh, Leo Port's had live shows. He's been doing live shows for a long time too. And he's had big communities of people that were listening live and commenting, right? So you have this kind of this flow. It's almost like an ocean of people's thoughts flowing through while your show's going on. Well, it's like no agenda. They run a chat room and there's this just blasting stream and he calls it the troll room and they keep an eye on it. (laughs) And I guess that, that speaks to the, the times we live in though, Todd, right? I mean, if you're a political show, you're going to have trolls. That's right. (laughs) Right. So, uh, by the way, we were, I did finally, I got my act together. I released it this morning, the podcast round table. Uh, the, I called it the round table cause it really wasn't kind of live, but it, I call it the Podfest round table. Uh, yeah. and we talked about networks. So, uh, definitely, uh, episode 504 is out with, uh, Katie Christmosos. I always destroy her last name. I apologize of the women in mediation network and Marla Isaacson of OSA collective. So yeah. that, that, uh, I think you're going to get a lot of uh, bang out of that particular conversation. And actually, Considering what we had to go through to recover that audio file, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you it's, can actually understand what was said. Where the some of the recordings we got out of there were yeah. unintelligible. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like completely, like yeah, it was yeah, bad. Right. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. So, and speaking of um, live events type of recordings for this show. We are going to be live on stage at podcast movement again. What day? Uh, I don't have an exact date yet, but it will be another lunch and learn type of a oh. session. So it'll be in our main stage. Um, and it's going to be streamed live, uh, and recorded. Uh, so we're going to have that capability. I just don't have a date uh, yet, but the time will be probably around noon on one of the days All anyway. Right. And I'm talking to Dan about ha- having him, Join us here on the show probably either next week or the following week. Well, give me advance notice so I can get our configuration ready. Right. Um, right. One thing, Rob, is, um, yeah, so just if it's Friday, let me know that as soon as possible. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I'm trying to make reservations. I might be leaving out of uh, Dallas because I've got a follow-on thing uh, immediately following podcast movement, I go to right to another event. So I'm, yeah, I think it's going to be kind of probably midweek. Is okay. My guess. That's fine. Yeah. If it is Friday, then I can schedule my flight out because I've been looking at airline flights and holy, okay. holy, holy I smokes. I know. I, I booked my flight down there too. And it's expensive. It's. You can't find Vegas for 300 or you can't go to Vegas for 300 bucks anymore. You can't go to Dallas for 500 bucks anymore. Yeah. I wanted to go to Seattle here at the end of this month. And, and it, it was like as expensive to, to fly to, to Europe as it is to go to Seattle. So, so I, I'm going 
Dallas. So I'm leaving Detroit, Detroit, Dallas, Vegas, Atlanta, Detroit. And that's uh, creeping up on two grand. And I'm actually happy it's only creeping up on two grand. Right. So yeah, it's, it's getting crazy. I hope it settles down a little bit on that. And also. people, people are flying like mad dogs and all these flight delays and stuff. I, I, canceled flights. Lots yeah. Of canceled. Yeah. 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 So, so it's, it's not pretty for sure. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's going to happen at podcast movement. Um, how many independent podcasters are going to make it given the travel situation? I guess it depends on when they booked their flights. If they booked it six months ago. Mm-hmm. They're probably okay. But, Boy, I tell you, if if I if yeah. you'd had half a crystal ball, you would have booked six yeah. months ago. Yeah, it's uh, you know, we we just uh, decided not to go to a specific event. It's the first time we've ever decided not to go to an event because of cost to cover to go and exhibit at a at an event. Is because of airline costs, hotel cost. It was just uh, if if we did the math, it ultimately would have ended up to been like thirty dollars a head. Hmm. You know, if you if you take the you, know, you take the expected attendees, yeah, the, the attendees, and you divide it by for. your your travel and the booth and everything else, it was like, yeah. it's thirty dollars is a, that's it's an insane variable. We used to be able to do it for a buck, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of my, you know, dollar $52 a head for attendee wise was a good variable, but 30 and again, 30 is great if it's the right audience. <laughs> yeah, Todd, I think, it, you know, I th- the, the interesting part about that is it, it's making me wonder if, and I think we're starting to see it a little bit already is that the growth of regional shows. Um, maybe picking up um, because of this, where people, you know, within driving distance or something like that well, versus flying distance. Well, there's not a lot of regional stuff going on right now. I know. Well, I mean, th- there was the Podstock one that we right, did. And, right. And I think to some degree, Podfest is really kind of a regional um, you know, and show. Joe Pardo's not doing his show this year. He's pushed mm-hmm. to next year. So it's... Yeah, we may be getting pushed back into more virtual events again. Mm-mm, not doing it. No, I know, but I'm just saying it in the industry more generally. Yeah. But it's, it's going to be tough to get sponsors for those. No, I will I will not do it. We're not, I'm not doing any more virtual. It's, yeah. it's no, no some value gained back. Right. And it's, it's great to be a speaker at them, but yeah. What's the ROI on them if you have to sponsor and mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I, you know, I am not going to show my crystal ball or what I have planned, but it's, it's one of those situations where people are, well, what do you, okay. So this is, this is the conversation. So honey, I, I, I want to go to a podcast event. Oh really? Where's it at? It's it's in the city. Oh great! How much is it going to cost? Well, the tickets this much, and the airplanes this much, and the hotel is this much, and food is this much, and and by the way, um, we won't be able to take 
a summer vacation. Right. Because you have expended your budget. You have to choose between the two, right? You have to choose between the two. So this could keep numbers down. And if you're a new podcaster and you're looking at outlaying X number of these these events are, don't get me wrong. I know that some people are hearing me talk this. I shut up. The, the, the value of a podcast movement is incredible. It's, well, I mean, I I think we look at as companies, hosting platforms, look at it a little differently than a podcaster. Right. But, and so that's what you have to keep in mind. Yeah. For, for the sessions and the education, it's, it's a fire hose event. Mm-hmm. You know, but for us, it's like, it's a podcast acquisition event, <laughs> podcaster acquisition event. Right. So we have our own motive yeah. as a, you know, as a podcast host. Yep. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, I haven't even been watching you. you you've been, seems like you've been watching the news more than I have. Um, and of course, uh, there's been plenty of it, but just, yeah. it's, you know, it is a little slower than, yeah. than yeah. what things have been lately. But, um, a lot of companies are making lots of big claims right now. And I, I, I find it's a, a, a little, little inter- entertaining at times that uh, people come up with uh, new websites and so forth. And they saying it's a, you know, they make a claim that, uh, it's the greatest to discover this or it's the greatest to discover that, or it's the best place to get listener engagement and lots of things are being thrown out as yeah. a, uh, sound bites. Yeah. There's a lot of that too. I mean, e- even in pod news today, um, there was an article that was put out by Westwood ones, Pierre, uh, Boulevard, who, um, said, I guess because of uh, pod sites, some pod sites research that was showing that um, there's a lot of, um, um, you know, ads happening in the podcasting space that are kind of um, um, frequent, right? So podcast listeners are hearing the same ads over and over and over again. Um, Surprise, surprise. And that frequency is, is being overemphasized where he was, he's making the suggestion that reach should be more emphasized than frequency. So reach being non-duplicative audience or bigger shows. I, uh, it's probably both. I would say is probably where, where he thinks that the value is. And I guess the research is showing that reaching new listeners with the message maybe gives more longer term potential return, right? Versus giving the same message a million times to the same people, right? They got the message as this old saying goes, right? And it's yeah. it's taken 17 and a half years to figure this out? Well, it's just it's showing up in the research. Oh, I got I got to go find it. Let me go. Let me go find it. I, I have it's a on, uh, No, 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 no. no. I, I have a presentation and let me go find this thing. Uh, if I can find it here quick and bring it up on the screen. Let's see. I got to get in the right email. Got to get into Google Drive. 
All right. Because it so. says here, quarter one, 2022, the average podcast campaign ad frequency measured by pod sites mm-hmm. was 6.32, a twofold increase from quarter one, 2021 of 2.97. So this means that there's much more repetition of ads, I guess is what they're saying. Right. The same number of shows. All right. So let me, this is a, let me see if I can find the date on this. Oh, this is old. I mean, this is really, really old. So this is a presentation I used to give to uh, media buyers. Wide versus narrow in your podcast campaign strategy. Mm-hmm. Go wide. Don't narrow your options or audience. Problem. Limited shows, 5,000 listeners per episode. Limited ad inventory and big shows. So if you are in four podcasts, they're reaching, basically what this has really done is talking about getting 14 ad spots across four podcasts in a month. They reach 400,000 podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. So you get 14 spots. All right. Across four podcasts. And then if you go wide. On a monthly basis. On a monthly so, basis. So, so on a monthly. Shows that are published weekly, you would think. Right. This, and, and, and again, this, this, little, this is just a hypothetical audience mm-hmm. that was actually using real data. Four podcasts that were reaching 410,000 a month. You're getting 14 ad spots. In week one, you got four. Week two, you got two. Week three, right. you got four. So on. Now we go and we look at 52 podcasts. And this one was reaching 1.31 million people. Total ad inventory was 267 spots. So they were getting same three times the money, but still many, 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 many more multiples of spots. And non-duplicative audience. Mm -hmm. I showed this to media buyers for about a quarter. And I might as well taken this thing and thrown it in the damn trash. They didn't want to hear it. They want to hear it. Yeah. They didn't want to hear it. It's too complicated, Todd, to play like that, right? So, you know, I was like, and I, I had history. I had history here and the history I used was one of the advertisers we had. We went 24 consecutive quarters having 400 plus shows on ad buys. Mm-hmm. A non-duplicative audience right. meeting goal every month. But yet these idiots will only buy the top shows and, and, oh, it, but, and they think but, if they hit the audience enough times on the frequency side that, that they'll force those small numbers of listeners that are probably the, mostly the same listeners over and over and over again. But, but somehow know, that, that'll translate into conversion. But some other someone else is going to come up and say, Todd, 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 you can only need to advertise in the top 5% of shows to reach 90% of the listeners out there. Right. Whatever. Right. Yeah. That's true. Well, it's not true. No, no, but that's what, that's what the messaging has (laughs) been. That's what the messaging is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when Uh, I, when I roll the data. Right. 
And for some reason, the data here is showing that the conversion rates are going down. I wonder. Amazing. As a proportion to the frequency. Amazing. Yes. Yes. So I can see how that might happen. Yeah. But you know, I I showed that people would go, oh, yeah. You know, I I can spend you know, and it they they just couldn't get it. Plus, also you do this in the middle of a a probably a growing recession. But but media buyers but less conversion. But media buyers were during the last recession. Advertising didn't slow down. Conversions didn't slow down Hmm. during the last recession. Then it just must be a factor of frequency. Then I think so, and being on too few shows, and it's not being very efficient with their ad spends. Well, they're putting ad loads that are high ad loads. Well, that. That certainly contributes. And they're going being very narrow on the scope of the shows they buy. Mm-hmm. By three, 4,000 maybe total shows across the entire podcast space. They may be um, training audiences to ignore the ads too because there's too many of them. And yet I run GoDaddy every single episode since June of 2005. You do have a frequency situation going on there. Yes, I do. But, but you also have a churn in audience. But too. I have a churn in audience. I have new people coming in the door. Because you're a news program. That's so, right. So you're going to have a heavy churn of audience with that type of a... About two years is about content. is about the run. Right. Two years, they time out. Maybe they spend six months or nine months or a year gone and come back. And that's probably why GoDaddy's had good success with you is because of those dynamics. And I think... It's a complex topic to get into with a podcaster. <laughs> no, they don't. It's yeah, it. Right. They don't like it. Right. Well, it's, advertisers don't like it either. When I well, tell them, well, shows are going to have a different dynamic on ROI. And so, when I tell them, I says you 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 have to do a three month buy. You have to buy all twelve or all yep. twenty four episodes. They're like, we don't want to run that frequently. I'm like, you don't get it. And some shows are like that. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to test a podcast, you got to commit to it. Mm-hmm. You can't just come in. Oh, I want to do a test run for a week. No, it's not going to give you enough data to know what the right choice it's is. It's just like radio stations desperate to take Amazon money. Those that are running one week, one, one ad spot runs are desperate to take money. And they're doing, in my opinion, they're, throwing a, it. they're doing a disservice to the podcasting community. But mm-hmm. what do I know? Yeah. Yeah. Robert says, would a traveling show, say podcast mobile that goes from town to town, puts out seminars? Yeah, that might be a cool one. Get a motorhome with sponsors, logos all over it. Hmm. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. Yep. It is an idea. It says podcast reach surges. One out of four persons, 18 to 49, are reached daily up to three times from. 2016. So it says a percentage of 18 to 49 year old Americans reached daily by a podcast. Mm. It's been going up uh, quarter two, 2020 was about 17% quarter two, 2022 is 25% reached daily by a podcast. So, so 
I posted something yesterday on my Facebook page. This is a non-podcast topic, but we are podcasters that are listening to this podcast, and I'm not a doctor, right? And uh, but I do want to bring to your attention one thing they think we as a podcast community can maybe help with. Um, fentanyl is now the number one killer of Americans in the 18 to 45 year range. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. It, it, it has reached that level. And, um, so this, this saying you keep hearing about one pill will kill you. It's absolutely unequivocally the truth. And we're getting a lot of recreational users that are dying, uh, from an overdose. So is this laced other drugs or with, with fentanyl? It's all of the above. It's all the above. All of the above. Because I think a lot of it has been like laced marijuana or laced other stuff. Well, and if if you trust your plug, um, and again, it, you know, I I don't think I trust anybody at this point Mm -hmm. with anything. Right. Um, But I, I'm just going to say that there is, um, many, many, pharmacies in the United States will allow you um, to pick up Narcan free. Not all. Hmm. Some hmm. have uh, some have a basically walk up and say you need Narcan. Um, if you even think in the slightest and there's online, there's some good videos on training online and how to use this but if you have even a suspicion you may have a immediate family member that might be experimenting. This is something you should have at the ready. So yeah. it's a antidote, to right? An overdose is what and I'm usually the Narcan kits come with two inhalers, two vaporizers. Mm-hmm. But this situation is getting pretty pretty bad. I've I've got a friend that talks about it a, a lot, and. Um, and this is the only thing that's going to make save one's life. And if, if you need to go get it, it's too late. You're, that person's not going to make it. But what it will do if you have it is hold potentially, not guaranteed, hold them to get emergency help there, to get 911 in. Right. And while most of us would not think about having Narcan on or about ourselves, it may be the thing that saves the life of someone at risk. And also be careful if you are out and about and you see a pill or a substance, for God's sake, do not touch it with your bare hand because skin transfer sometimes can be enough to make you the victim. So uh, be careful out there. And again, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> do, right. your, do your own research. A lot of companies are yeah. giving uh, Narcan training now. So ask your company if they're, if they're doing that. Um, but, um, yeah, number one killer of 18, and it's not COVID, it's not automobile accidents, it's, it's overdoses, 18 to 45 in the United States. Crazy. It is crazy. And what's ironic about that is that the, the other piece of data that I'm looking at right now says podcast daily reach is strongest among 18 to 44. Uh, the highest number is 18 to 24. So, you know, um, that could save a podcast listener's life. So. And, and if you're at a party <laughs> and someone says, have a snort or a sniff right. or take right. this, you, you may not make it. And so, and again, I think those that are 
I think those are the biggest risk are recreational users. Tom, and it's just a, it, it's just a remarkable number that I'm looking at. And it's just it's, really, it's, inc- it's incredible. Well, just the, the percentages of young people listening to podcasts right now. I mean, it's the, the age group 13 to 17 is almost 14% of podcast listeners in the U S in quarter two, 2022 and 31% are 18 to 24. That, that hasn't been the case for very no, long. No, Um, that's a big change. But in regard to the previous subject, do your own research. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. Right. Don't claim to be. Uh, but, uh, be careful. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't had any fentanyl impact anybody that I know. Um, I have friends that have had family members affected. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. That have actually died. Oh. Cause it's, it's like, and even police officers that have made drug bust, Mm -hmm. they've opened the, trunk and didn't have gloves on and touch something and actually their partners administering Narcan to them on the side of the highway because wow. they had a transfer for skin, skin transfer. Wow. It's that dangerous. Huh? Yeah. It's that, Jeez. well, it's, you know, that bus they just did recently said it could kill 25 million people with the amount of stuff that was on the hood of a car. Jesus. So it's, it's a big deal. And if any of your doctors out there and you're cringing, well, again, do your own research. I'm not a doctor. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is going to bring us to the end, Rob. Yeah. I think we're, we're wrapping it up. Let's do it. I'm Todd at Blueberry.com. At Blueberry is the Twitter account for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm at Geek News and myself personally. Uh, definitely reach out to us at any time, Rob. Yeah, I'm. I'm Rob Greenlee, and I have a Twitter account at robgreenlee.com. That's with two E's on the end. And uh, you can certainly send me an email, robg at lipson.com. Happy to hear from you. I know, I think we also have an email address, rob at uh, newmediashow.com too, that actually gets gets around. And uh, yeah, thanks, Todd. It was great to have everybody with us today. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll have Dan Franks on next week to talk about podcast movement. Sounds exciting. Everyone take care. We'll see you next time here on the new media show. Everyone see you later. Bye-bye. Okay.